Hello, everyone. Uh, thanks to uh, Jared and the Slice of Healthcare podcast for hosting Nick's Notes. This is our 11th uh, episode, and we're extremely excited to have with us the founder and CEO of Hint Health, a direct primary care platform. Joining us all the way from his home in New Zealand is Zach Holdsworth. How are you, Zach? Good. Thank you. Good to, good to be here. Uh, great to have you on. Can you tell us a little bit, what is direct primary care and why is it an important disruption in American healthcare? Yeah, direct primary care, <clears throat> excuse me, direct primary care is a alternative to the traditional kind of fee-for-service uh, primary care models, whereby the healthcare provider um, uh, charges a, a, a fixed monthly fee for essentially unlimited access to primary care, telemedicine, urgent care, often you know, care navigations included, um, all sorts of other um, sort of services that you would uh, maybe traditionally not consider part of primary care. Um, but summary version, you're replacing the insurance fee for service chassis with a simple price transparent um, uh, uh, incentive aligned model with very little to no overheads. And at the end of the day, the doctors are able to be doctors. They're able to treat their patients, build those relationships with the patients. And at the end of the day, also reduce total cost of care because um, you're eliminating the traditional third-party pay system and aligning incentives and eliminating all the overheads. So that's, that's kind of what DPC is. And, and you, know, you and I are both big believers in disrupting healthcare and disintermediating the insurance quagmire that is American healthcare. How big, how disruptive can direct primary care be? Patients love it, doctors love it, but it's relatively still smaller compared to the insurance. How big can this get? Oh, I mean, my view is, is that these types of principles are the solution to the US healthcare crisis. So I, I kind of, um, I'm of the opinion that we're essentially in a form of Stockholm syndrome in the US healthcare system, right? We're, we're, we're sort of fallen in love with our captors somewhat. And, um, you know, direct primary care is, from my perspective, is a kind of a kernel of a concept that I think could be scaled to other concepts, right? There's no reason that it needs to stay in primary care. For example, we have clients that are starting to integrate downstream care into their direct primary care offering, but doing so in a way where they're cutting the third-party payer system out um, and essentially uh, negotiating a price transparent, you know, pre-negotiated rate for care and then um, as a result of that, reducing the cost because you're, you're eliminating the 30% overhead associated with the third-party pay system and you're able to also integrate it better into the care model. So you're able to sort of, the way I tend to think about it is this is, you know, the sort of decentralized Kaiser in a way, right? But without the third-party pay rails, which Kaiser sits on. Mm. Um, and so theoretically, I think this could transform your healthcare and be very big. I mean, it could be, 50 to 80 percent of total cost of care could run through these types of models yeah uh, but it's going to require big change i mean what i'm proposing here is like kind of insane but so obviously you're in, the, in with me you're preaching to the converted right we always used to say at heal the thing you say about stockholm syndrome is the way i always used to put it is it's a very interesting thing in america right you go to the doc you have to see a doctor you have to get an appointment you wait a month you schlep you 
pay for parking. You go up there, you sit in a waiting room. An hour later, you go into a little room. Jerry Seinfeld did a whole comedy skit about you just go from a big waiting room to another waiting room. And then eventually you get to see a hurried, harried, tired doctor for six minutes. Um, you forget all your questions. And yet, People almost associate that with great care. It's like, mm -hmm. oh, my God, my doctor is so good. I had to wait three months to see him or her, right? Mm -hmm. As opposed to my doctor is so good because I saw him today, right? And my healthcare is proactive. And so, you know, we we completely agree on, on this. And, the, and I see interesting models with companies that are doing this as a subscription direct service for diabetes management. You talk mm -hmm. to a diabetes counselor once a month. You get your medications, you have your your lancets and your test strips, and they charge a fixed price. And people love the price certainty, right? Because healthcare, even with insurance, nobody knows how much anything is actually going to cost, right? It's the only thing we buy in America where there isn't price certainty. So, but my question is this, if this model flourishes, and I'm hoping it does, and want to help enable that with Hey Renee and with Heal and with companies like Hint, obviously, but... What do people do for the catastrophic, the car accident, the late stage cancer diagnosis, the stuff that costs tens and hundreds of thousands of dollars that our kinds of services cannot handle? Yeah, I mean, my I'm not against insurance, right? I, I want to be very clear. I think insurance is awesome. <laughs> I didn't think modern society could function without insurance. I just don't think that insurance should be the mechanism with which 80 to 90% of healthcare is paid for. Even under value-based models, they're running through the insurance rails. Yeah. Um, even in like the you know, Medicare direct, you know, or Medicare programs, they're essentially innovations that sit on top of the fee-for-service chassis. So yeah. the argument I'm making is that I think what we should do is we should make insurance be insurance. People should have, if, if you can't afford a $100,000 procedure, you should insure that because you'll bankrupt yourself. But if you can, if you can afford a $10,000 one, do you want to insure that? For example, I don't insure my car because I can afford just to buy a new one. Right? I insure my, if I crash and kill someone and, you know, and I can't, and I have a million dollars of liability. Okay. I can't handle that. Right. And so the, I, my view is, is that we should apply the same principles to healthcare Insure the things you can't afford to pay for and then pay cash or, or if, if you're in a, a you know if you're an employer right and we're stuck in a system where employers are at almost a trillion dollars of spend so we, we have to work within that system mm. if you're an employer why run all of that through a rails that we know with 100 percent certainty increases the cost by 20 to 30 percent right and makes it worse why do that when you could go direct and as an individual or as an employer uh, and pay a reduced rate for a better service because you've now got incentive alignment that you don't you can't get in a yep. insurance service system. So my view is is that keep insurance, but make it be insurance. Don't make it be how to pay for everything. <laughs> you know, it's for those those who listen to this podcast regularly. First of all, thank you for listening. But this is what we often talk about: is that the model of insurance is designed for things you don't use frequently. Your fire insurance for your house, you don't want your car, house to burn down. So the insurance company, your incentives are aligned and they rarely pay because 
Rarely does your house burn down or your car get into a crash. It is not for things where we should encourage the usage and primary care and good health care and preventive care and diabetes management. These are all things we should encourage more regular use of. And we're spending a trillion dollars on just figuring out how to pay for it between charting and billing and coding. Right. Yeah. So. And where do you see Zach in this? So. You know, then the pandemic came along, right? You've been around since long before the pandemic. The pandemic came along and everyone's talking virtual first. So where do you see virtual first direct primary care uh, as this? And does that further bring down the cost curve or do people still prefer the in-person interaction, do you think? I mean, my view is, is that, and we have actually a number of clients in both kind of direct primary care where they have an actual bricks and mortar facility as well as virtual first groups um, who we support as well. Um, and my, my kind of thinking with this is that there's um, you know, lots of different types of models can exist in, together. And for some people, a virtual first model makes sense for them. It's maybe a little bit less expensive. Maybe there actually isn't a doctor where they are anywhere. Um, um, and in many cases, like these direct primary care groups, are essentially virtual first with a bricks and mortar, excuse me, with a bricks and mortar facility, getting a bit animated here, um, that you can go see the, your actual doctor. But they, for the most part, our clients are offering a virtual first offering. And then it just depends on, do you, are you also able to see your doctor, right? Mm-hmm. And so my view on this is that there's the, the, the thing that I, I, I'm not a huge fan of is just kind of maybe the sort of legacy telemedicine type operations whereby yep. you can kind of, click a button and talk to a random doctor who doesn't know who you are, doesn't have yep. your history. Like the, to me, that's a bandaid, yeah. right? But, but we, the models, which I think are really interesting are where you're building that longitudinal rational with either a care team or an individual provider. Um, you're, that, 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 that individual or team is responsible for helping you navigate the system, yep. right? And helping with care navigation and helping you understand the complexity of the, of the system and, and providing the key need on a day, you know, weekly or monthly or annual basis and knows you and maybe knows your family and also looks after your family. Um, and so those are the types of models I think are, I'm more yep. of a fan of. And if it's virtual or kind of bricks and mortar or facilities, like I think that's just a, you know, do you like yeah. to have a Lexus or a Toyota or, you know, right. They're, yeah. they're, they're sort of, they're both cars. <laughs> right. You know, it's, I, I, if you went to the average American family and said, do you want to spend your Starbucks monthly money and have cost certainty, easy access to care right on your phone from a doctor who knows you and your family? I think an overwhelming majority would say yes. And it's time that that gets out there because people, despite having health insurance, are so afraid to use it almost. It's also, that's the other part of the Stockholm syndrome is it's been beaten to our head. Don't use your health care unless you're really, really sick. And it's the exact opposite um, incentive we should be promoting. Uh, look, two last questions before we go. Um, one, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask. Um, did, compare the healthcare system in your native New Zealand to that one here in America. Yeah, I mean, and I know it's a smaller country and an island and all that, but still. I mean, New Zealand is, what I will say is I'm not, not an expert on New Zealand healthcare, funnily enough, because um, I still technically live in America. I just came here to escape COVID. Um, the, I'd say it's, it's more of a sort of national healthcare system, maybe more similar to the UK, where you, you have a kind of base coverage. That's, think of it almost like Medicare for all, but right. also private insurance running as well. Right. Um, and you can also just pay cash. Like the other day I walked into a facility and was like, 
um, you know, I wanted to get this test and they're like, oh, you know, sign all these forms. I was like, how much is it just for cash? Like, oh, it's like $25. I was like, can I just pay that right now? I'm like, yeah, yeah, right. cool. Swipe your card. So, you know, and they were a bit confused by that, but as well, but they, they could yeah. do that. Um, and so it's a, it's a little bit of, I'd say if I was to try to explain it, it's kind of essentially kind of Medicare for all with private insurance, okay. kind of something like that. Okay. And <laughs> um, one word answer, uh, which of these four companies makes the biggest disruption in healthcare in the next five year time frame? Amazon, Google, Walmart, or Apple? Um, and that's a tough one. <laughs> it is a tough one. I would say if Walmart launched their kind of clinics and all 50,000 stores or whatever and tie that to a virtual offering and make it a direct, essentially direct primary care offering, if they do that, I would put them first. If they don't do that, uh, I would... Um, I would probably go probably Amazon. Cool. But, so but I struggle answer, with that because Apple's, you know, this because of the smartphone on every, yeah. know, the, the doctor in everyone's pocket. And, you know, I think that technology is going to, yeah. even the stuff you're doing with Hey Renee, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Um, at home diagnostics and stuff. So I don't know. It's a tough one, but I don't it think is. not Google. <laughs> yeah. My, so I think I would put Google last. I would put Amazon second, Apple third, but I'd put Walmart first. For this reason only, the biggest consumers of American healthcare dollars are setting foot to Walmart every single week of their lives, literally, right? right? Yeah, if, if so, Walmart steps up to the plate, yeah. they are number one. The yep. question is, are they going to step up to the plate? Yes. I don't know the yeah. answer to that. Yes, absolutely. So yeah, well, challenge look, to you, Walmart, <laughs> do it. <laughs> but, everyone, don't, but don't do it, though, stuck in the status quo. Yeah. Don't do it and adopt the broken system. You've, you, if you're speaking to the Walmart team here, yeah, like you've got an opportunity to 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 innovate in a way that is yep. needed in this country. Don't be sucked into the status quo and the way that it's done because it doesn't work, and we know it doesn't work, mm. and it costs us. My favorite statistic is NASA's budget since inception is what we waste. Like we put man on the moon, all the rover missions, like every single astronaut that we've ever been funded, yeah. training, like that, everything, right? It's about the uh, waste annually. So like, yeah, let's just get healthcare. out of that situation. Yep. Yep. Well, Zach, it was wonderful to have you on the program. Thank you so very much for joining us. Good luck to you and Hint Health. It's a great company, everyone. Check it out. It'll be in the links below. And uh, thank you. Thank you. We're done. Thanks.